Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Katie Kreider, who had a shared death experience with her grandmother and more, and we're going to talk about it today. Katie, thank you for being my guest, and welcome. Thank you, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be here. All right, if you don't mind, can we start on the day that your experience happened with your grandmother and go from there? Well, it was um, in the middle of the night. Um, my grandmother and the angel of death came, and they woke me from my sleep. And um, the angel of death, he was dressed like the Grim Reaper. But my grandmother assured me there was nothing to fear. And indeed, he was quite loving and kind and tender. I was about eight years old. And um, I didn't want my grandmother to go. And so I wanted to go with them. And the angel of death said, yes, I could go to a certain point, but then I would have to return. And I don't remember anything happening up to that point. But um, I remember returning, and the angel told me that he would be back again for me when it was my time. So you don't remember what you saw over on the other side? No, I don't remember if I even went to the other side. Did it seem like it was as real as we are talking here? It was very real. And when I woke up, I climbed under my bed. It was rather tall. And I cried, and I waited and waited because I knew my grandmother was gone. I could feel it. And um, next thing you know, I heard my mother wake up and go check on my grandmother. And she went back to her bedroom, and she told my father that Mitchell was dead. And then they made coffee and got on the phone to all her brothers and... um then she came to wake us, but I was already awake. Did you happen to tell her that you saw your grandmother? I did, but that's one of those things in our household that we don't tell your dad. Did that experience change you in any way? That one? Um, no, but three months after that, my grandmother's ghost appeared to me. And she was standing in my bedroom door, and she stood there, and she looked at me, and she went like that, and she said, see, I'm okay. That changed everything. Have you had any other communication with your grandmother? Um, no, nothing that I can verify, no. All right. Have you had any other experiences with, uh, with other angels? Yes, as a matter of fact. When I was, um, I think, four, um, we lived on the Pacific Ocean, and it was Easter Day, and my mom had bought us all these white gloves, white patent leather shoes, pretty little white socks, and 
I think, and our dresses, all of us, my mother's dress and my three sisters and myself, we all have the same dress, yellow with white polka dots. So we went to church like that. And then afterward, we went down to walk on the beach because we used to do that quite regularly. And my sister, Barb, who is the eldest, she had gotten a little wicker handbag. And um, I guess I was jealous. And I ran up on her and I snatched that bag out. And um, then she started chasing me, of course. And um, before you know it, we're in the water just playing. And um, the waves got me and took me out. And um, my mother was standing on the shore yelling, swim, swim. I had no idea how to swim. (laughs) And um, then I, you know, the waves are stronger than me. They are just pounding me down, up and down, up and down. And um, my mom was on the beach there. Now she's yelling, grab a rock. Okay, so I go down again, and this time I'm thinking I'm not going to come up, and I look to my left, and I see a man swimming toward me, like this, just swimming right toward me, and he scooped me up, took me to the top of the water, and secured me to a rock, at which point I went unconscious. Okay, so then I regained consciousness on the shore while they're trying to pump water out of me. And um, the first thing I asked my mom is, where's the man who saved me? And she said, there was no man. So, okay. And you think that man is your guardian angel? Absolutely. Years later, when um, in, in my adulthood, I had an apartment closer to downtown. And um, it was right off the street, maybe... 15 feet back from the street. And that room facing there was my living room. And um, anyway, keep that in mind. I had a dream one night and my angel came to me and he said, you've got to get out of there. Okay, so that was the dream. And it was really something because he was at the front door. He had knocked. And he was at, and he was looking down like that. You know, he was much taller than the doorframe. But okay, so that was his warning. And then um, the next morning was um, I had to be at work at seven, and Steve was still at home. He was sleeping, um, and a car came right through our living room wall. There was brick and mortar everywhere. My Christmas tree was ruined. But um, yes, and that was him, same man. I call him a man, but. Did he look solid like us or kind of like translucent ghost-like? No, he looked very solid like us. He had platinum blonde hair about to here, big, beautiful blue eyes, but humongous. He must be eight feet tall with big old shoulders, you know, and muscles, very muscular. Did he ever talk to you and say that he is your guardian angel? No, no. Mm. I think they want me to go on faith. Mm. 
I don't get a lot of um, information. Have you had any other angel experiences? Not angel experiences, no. You mentioned before we started that you had an encounter with Jesus or that Jesus healed you. Can you tell us oh, about yes. that? Yeah. Um, I started having conscious seizures when I was um, probably 21 after the birth of my son. And um, years passed. And, you know, you know, this stuff is horrible. It'll happen anywhere. And me, I get to a bathroom right away. I can't play, you know. And um, it was so bad. People would walk by thinking I was on drugs. They'd kick at me and all kinds of stuff. And me, I couldn't even get up because the rotation of the earth was, it was just nauseating. I never threw up, but it was very nauseating. And, um, you know, so, and I dealt with that for at least 17 years. I think it was longer, but um, I lived alone and I felt one of those seizures coming on. So the first thing I do is I get into the bathroom and then I'm on the floor saying a prayer. And I asked Jesus, well, I'm speaking to God in my prayer. And I tell him, you know, if this is his will for my life, it's okay. And that um, I will still love him and praise him. And But if this is not his will, please send Jesus to touch me and heal me. It was over that quick. And I have never even had an aura since. You've never had a seizure since? Nope, never. Wow. Never. Um, I'll tell you what Jesus heals, he heals completely. Before this healing from Jesus, were you always a religious person? Not religious, no. But I have always been spiritual. I was in the church before I could walk or talk. And I grew up like that until I was probably um, nine or ten. And then my parents stopped going to church. But um, I went to church until I was a teenager. And um, I became very unhappy with um, certain um, beliefs or standards of particular churches. And I needed, I needed the answers from God. I needed the truth. What made you decide to, to call out to Jesus at that time of your healing? Oh, in my healing? Um, well, I've got to tell you, they did not make medicine for conscious seizures at that time. So every time, and I'll tell you, it felt like um, um, getting deathly ill for no apparent reason. My skin would turn gray, I would start pouring sweat, but freezing, got to use the bathroom. And next thing you know, there's this, um, I forget what they call it now, um, dizziness. And, um, you know, I'm on the floor trying to stay alive. <laughs> mm -hmm. But 
every time, and it happened in public, you, you know, I had no control. And um, every time it would happen, my um, answer to this, because nothing could be done, was to put myself in God's hands. And I mean, right there in his hands um, until it was over, you know. And that's how that went. So it was my practice to put myself in God's hand to because I couldn't think of a better place to be. After that healing, did you become more religious? Not religious, more spiritual, yes. Yes, but that healing was year, was in my um, early 40s. So a lot happened previous to that. Do you practice any certain type of meditation or yoga or anything currently? No. The reason is because I'm on medication and it um, seems to block everything, you know? And um, yeah, it's gotten worse and worse. And I try to sit down and meditate and I go through the motions, but the connections are not there anymore, Hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you this, God and the universe, they find a way to get through to me. <laughs> so, Did you have any specific spiritual practices that you were practicing or meditation? I did. Um, in my, well, I was 24 years old when I began meditation. And I meditated at least three hours in the morning and two hours at night. And, um, you know, I, I used Raha yoga. Um, and that is um, the yoga of uniting with God. And that was my choice. You said um, an ideal. My ideal was Jesus. He's the ideal. And um, so I am meditating on um, joining my heart with his to um, for union to occur. Okay. And. Um, oh, right. Right away. I had developed um, intuitive abilities. That was really quite simple. It's always the first thought, not the next or the next or the next. It's always the first thought. And intuition is a funny thing because um, the more you use it, the stronger it grows. Well, I knew that. I had read about that. And so I would ask specific questions. Where so-and-so? Where's so-and-so? And it would tell me, and I'd go. And every time that person was there, it was not wrong for three years in a row. And, um, of course, no one else knew that, but I knew. And then my meditations, I was visions. I was experiencing visions, mostly simple things. Like, um, I recall an old man sitting at a kitchen table alone, having coffee. 
Okay. That was a simple one. But one day, um, in a vision, um, I seen a lady down at the corner of the street and the, um, light had burnt out or it wasn't working. It wasn't on next. And I see her walking and, um, she has on this like oxbud color vinyl jacket. And, you know, it was the thing in those days. And that quick, I'm inside her head. And um, I'm aware that her intuition told her not to walk down that street. And she tossed it aside and went on down that street. And I'm very familiar with that street because I used to live on that street. And um, so she's walking. Next thing you know, I see a rustle in the bushes. Boom. I'm inside of a man hiding in the bushes with a machete that has blood on it. And he, I know his intentions and I know I, I know that he loves the smell of blood. Mm. Ooh, how awful. But that's what it, what that apparently was his driving force. And the woman was getting closer. And I'm still inside the man. And I just, I say, get me out of here. And boom, I'm gone. It's all over. But um, that scared me bad really bad. I didn't know what it was. I had never heard of such a thing. And um, I wondered, was I a murderer in a past life or what? And um, so, yes, I, I, I was scared of that. Then um, the next time, it was about three weeks later, beautiful April morning. And um, I have the screen doors open and I'm doing dishes and I'm gone. I'm in the head or in the body of a male soldier. And I know he's a soldier because I looked down and he's wearing BDUs rolled up to there and he's driving. And I know that the man in the passenger seat is a colonel and that whoever is behind him is just an insignificant person. I know that. I know that, oh, he has thick, dark hair on his forearms. Um, it was red mountain dirt, and the army equipment was cutting roads out of the mountain. But what, what was interesting to me about this one was um, about two years later, I joined the army and that's when those BDUs just came out. So that one, I must have projected into the future. But um, anyway, like I told you, I was scared of these things. I, I was afraid to be horrified. I didn't want to see, you know, it occurred to me that something like this could be good for um, finding missing children. And um, I just didn't think I had what it takes to see a child 
chopped up or hurt or I didn't, I was afraid. I didn't think I had what it takes for this. And um, so um, then after that, life happened and um, things got really bad. But um, it was years later, as a matter of fact, that um, Monica Silva had um, been abducted from her bedroom window. And I knew Monica, I knew her parents, and I knew her little brother. And um, this is the first time I ever tried this intentionally. And um, so I go on my bed, I lay down to meditate, because I, anyway. Um, and real quick, I'm inside Monica's body. And her back is up against rock. So I'm thinking cave. And next thing you know, someone is pouring like something on her head. But I'll tell you what, God took that baby. She did not feel an ounce of pain. God is quick. He is merciful. He took her quickly. She did not. She was gone already before that. It was acid. And um, so anyway, I called the police and told them who I was and what I'd seen, what I did and what I seen. And, um, you know, but it was about a year later that they released their information. They want, they spent a whole year trying to find ways to, um, implicate the parents, the parents. Um, but anyway, They finally did release the information. Monica had been taken out to the desert and with a pile of rocks over her and acid poured on her. So how did you develop this ability again? It just happened. Hmm. Raha yoga is, um, okay, the meditation of union. And I've read a lot. I read about um, Jane Roberts. Have, have you read any Jane Roberts? I she talks about it. And she says, you move your conscious to the right or to the left. And that's interesting. But myself, what I have always done is I put someone on this side and someone on this side and I hold their hand and it goes around, all around, big circle. And your energy can flow. I mean, you know, but, but, and that's not setting an intention. That'll land you anywhere. But when you set the intention, like I intended to find out what happened to Monica, um, it went right there. Have you had any other paranormal or supernatural things happen to you? Sure. Um, recently, I've signed up for... Um, with Tut, T-U-T, the universe talks or something, T-U-T. And I get a letter into my inbox every morning from the universe, five days a week. And um, it was talking about, I know you want a home, and um, just because everyone else is getting theirs, that don't mean you won't get yours, because I want a house. Mm-hmm. But... Um, 
you know, at two or three times it was saying that and mentioning my dream of a house. I wanted a house. And then, um, so, okay, I'm on my way to do grocery shopping. And um, I think I'll stop into Baldini's and play a little $20 and have a cup of coffee. So um, I won $11,247. And the next day, my my note from the universe said, now tell me I'm not lucky. <laughs> what was this place, Bob Dini's, and what what were you playing? Baldini's, B A L D I N I S. Baldini's is that like a, a place you could gamble or something? Yes, it's a casino, um, a little sports casino. Locals go there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not well. They quite often bring a lot of tourists in too with their um you know, like hot August nights and stuff like that. So that's great. You want a down payment for a house. Well, mine compared, I mean, mine combined with Steve's, yes. But there's other issues. It won't be at this time with the economy like this. Have you had any other paranormal or supernatural experiences? Yes, um... I have a memory that happened when I was still in my mother's womb. Um, I am a twin, and my twin was male. And I knew that because I knew his energy from in the womb. But um, I guess my mother had problems, and they she had to go to the hospital. And she ended she ended up miscarrying one. But um, what happened was in the womb, um, we knew in advance that one of us was going to be born and one was going to have to go back. And it was agreed upon between he and I that I would go back and he would come and live on our. In the morning, he was gone. That's all I remember of that. But um, after birth, I'm not sure how long, maybe the first three or four months, there were spirits around me. They talked to me all the time. They came when I called. Um, They made sure I was not alone. And then when it came time, because I guess, you know, they stay three or four months and then they leave. And I, um, one of the last things they told me, because I had told them I would never forget them. And they laugh. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Everybody forgets. Well, to this day, I have not forgotten. And um, the last thing they told me was, just live through it. Okay? So that's been my um, go-to all along. No matter how bad it gets, just live through it. Do you think it's possible that your guardian angel is your twin brother? 
the one I perceive as my guardian angel? I don't think so, because I dreamt of my twin brother. And mind you, he looked just like me, except for he had a little mustache. Hmm. At first I thought, is that me wearing a mustache? But then as time passed, I realized it may have been my twin brother. I don't know. But I will tell you that um, the man or angel that I perceive being my guardian angel, he has no family features from our family. I don't believe so. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask questions or chit chat with you. Are you open to that? And if so, how can they reach you? Um, yeah, I'm open to that. That's fine. Um, they can reach me on what? Let's see. Okay, on Facebook, they can reach me. I'm Catherine Lindsay. I never changed my name on Facebook. So they would have to look for Catherine Lindsay. And um, then they could message me on Messenger. And that's Lindsay as an L I N D S E Y or S A Y? E Y. E Y. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, or um, they can email me. My email is cl underscore coder at yahoo.com. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? We are one. God is love. (laughs) The whole everything is love. We are all made of love. Katie, thank you for that message. And thank you again for being my guest. Have a great rest of your day and take care. Thank you, Jeff. It's been very nice. Thank you. Likewise. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.